You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Fired up Browns, your host Daniel Garrett, and today we are previewing the Browns game against the Baltimore Ravens. Browns are coming off a bye for this one. The Browns come into this one at 6-6, six and six, and the Ravens come into this one at 8-4. and four. They just played each other two weeks ago before the Browns bye. It is a 1 o'clock Eastern Time game on CBS. And it is a home game for the Browns. So, let's get into it. The Browns lost 16-10 to last time they played the Ravens. And, yeah, the it was just a very overall rough game. Both sides of the ball offensively. Baker Mayfield, 18 for 37 for 247 yards and a touchdown. And Lamar Jackson, 20 for 32, 165 yards, a touchdown and four interceptions. Kareem Hunt led the Browns in rushing yards with 7 carries for 20 yards, while Lamar Jackson led the Ravens for 17 carries and 68 yards. Receiving-wise, Jarvis had 6 for 111 yards, and Mark Andrews had 4 for 65 yards for the Ravens. David Njoku caught the Browns' lone touchdown, and he also added three, two other receptions for a total of 35 yards, the long being 20, and that was on five targets. Uh, for the Ravens, scoring-wise, the only one was that Mark Andrews touchdown. Um, so just a very overall low-scoring game for both sides of the ball. Defensively, for the Browns, Ronnie Harrison had 12 solo tacos, tackles and 14 overall tackles. Jeremiah Wusakoromoa added 13 tackles, 6 of which were solo, half a sack, and a tackle for loss. Anthony Walker added 12 tackles, 8 of which were solo. Miles Garrett added a sack and a TFL. And Jordan Elliott picked up that other half sack along with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. For the Ravens, Patrick Queen had two tackles for losses while amassing eight tackles all solo. Tyus Bowser had a sack and a tackle for loss on four total tackles. Justin Matabuike had one tackle for loss, and Odafe Owe with one sack in this game as well. So overall, just, you know, a pretty bare stat line. Um, Turnover-wise, obviously the four interceptions from Lamar Jackson, and then Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield each had a fumble. Those were recovered by Patrick Queen and Odafe Owe. For the Browns, the interceptions were by Grant Delpit, Denzel Ward, John Johnson III, and Ronnie Harrison. In terms of kicking, Chase McLaughlin went 1-for-2 on field goals and 1-for-1 one one on extra points. And Justin Tucker made all three of his field goals and his extra point. So, for this upcoming game, I believe the keys to the game are quite simple. 
the Browns quite simply need to figure out a way to succeed in these cover zero and cover one type looks where they have so many men on the line just simply filling up any sort of lane for running the ball and it just makes it hard to be very efficient because a 2.4 average uh, yards per carry is just not going to cut it in people were mad about only 17 carries but why would you run the ball more when you're only averaging 2.4 yards per carry it was just an overall ineffective day for the Browns there and Baker only added 6.7 yards per attempt which is just atrocious that took two sacks as well um just you know just not a ideal performance and Baker obviously struggles against uh teams that are just going to make him force him to just drop back he is one of the better play action quarterbacks in the league he just cannot do as well against teams when he has to just drop back and just pass the ball right and you know the play running a play action game is a skill he has that skill it's not something every quarterback is going to be as good at as he is but he's just not reaching the standard he needs to in a traditional drop back game and you know it's it's going to be these mugged up looks until he can prove that he can beat them. And it, you don't even have to beat them for much. You just, you know, a solid performance. 300 yards, couple touchdowns, decent completion percentage will get teams to start backing out of these looks. And that will definitely open up this run game more. Because it doesn't matter what it is. If you're going just eight on nine the entire time you're not going to win those and that that's what they're facing because obviously when we get into these heavy personnel sets where we only have two receivers out there we have the two corners out on them and everyone else is up near the line for the Ravens and it's just not going to be effective running the ball in nine man boxes it's just mathematically impossible that would take someone being able to take on two guys and that just to create a one-on-one and it just is not going to happen so I I definitely think the key to this game has to be the effectiveness as a drop back passer and you know these receivers don't help you know people talk about Jarvis Landry Jarvis Landry gets a lot of hate both ways the people that don't like him a lot think he sucks and he doesn't suck, but the people that like him think he's a top, like, 20, 30 receiver in the NFL, and he's just not that. He's a average receiver, like a solid wide receiver, two low-end wide receiver, two high-end wide receiver, three type. Like, he's okay. He's a starting receiver. Um, not worth the money. Um, definitely not worth the money, but he's a starting receiver, like a low-end wide receiver two, high-end three, like I said. Um, but he struggles to create separation. That's one of his big things. He He's great at finding weak areas in zone coverages, um, but, you know, you're not going to get those zone coverages if the Browns continually show that they can't drop back. All you're going to do is get cover zero looks where it's just 
man on man and just fill gaps in the run game with the rest of the defenders. So it really limits Jarvis's effectiveness. However, he did pretty damn well last week. Six for 111 yards on 10 targets. So, you know, you can't really ask for a whole lot more out of him. Um, the rest of these receivers just, you know, Jamarcus Bradley isn't really anything. Donovan Peoples-Jones, they've really gotten away from what he's most effective at, which is as that vertical threat, not as a speed guy, but as a more of a jump ball type receiver where he can win over the top of the defender down the field. That's where he is most effective. Not the best route runner, not the best separator, but he is very, very good at those downfield routes, um, and they need to get back more to him. Um, could just be they're trying to figure out if he can do any of these other things, which I believe it's kind of obvious that he can't. I think, you know, Peoples-Jones is going to make a really good wide receiver three if you have a really good slot option um, as that true X. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the role he f fills as an X that's a wide receiver three, which for a six-round pick, very good. But just, like, you know, can't isn't really doing a whole lot for this team that doesn't have that wide receiver one. Um, and, you know, Odell wasn't going to be that. Odell doesn't really fit. He wants a lot of those targets over the middle of the field where Baker just absolutely refuses to throw the ball. Um, and that's not uncommon. A lot of shorter quarterbacks do have a tendency to not want to throw the ball over the middle of the field. Um, see it most with Russell Wilson um, and Baker, obviously. Uh, but uh, it just wasn't a good fit there. And, you know, we don't have that receiver that can create separation, really. And it's just a, it's just a shame because outside of the passing game, this team is absolutely fantastic you have a good defensive front you have a linebacker core that's playing fairly well especially given the resources put into it um you have a secondary that when healthy is very good um has had some injury issues uh obviously uh greg newsome dealing with a uh potential of a concussion um after hitting his head at the end of practice uh so he is questionable but re realistically the rest of the pieces are there. Um, quarterback's been pretty disappointing. Um, tight end has been disappointing. I think it's quite obvious at this point that David Njoku is a pretty good player worth retaining. Harrison Bryant is a good depth tight end. Austin Hooper has just been quite the disappointment. And, you know, he does his role, but... I think it's a fairly replaceable and a bit overpaid. I think he, for what he is asked to do, he is okay. But he's just, you know, it's an, it's a waste of money um, because that role, you know, you can fill that with a third or fourth round pick quite easily. Um, so tight end, disappointing. We already went over receiver and quarterback, disappointing. This whole passing game has been fairly disappointing. And you look at the offensive line, obviously, with Conklin out, you got Hans, who does a good job run blocking, but just not very, not super effective pass blocking at that right tackle position. And it's quite obvious he's not used to having that free outside shoulder. Um, he is a guard by trade, so he's just not used to having the free free outside shoulder. So it's a lot different in the passing game where he has to do these uh, 
past sets. It's just it's just different, and he's just not there yet. Um, I think he, for what he is and what he's being asked to do, I think he's doing a pretty good job. Um, just touching on the Hudson pick, quite disappointing that he isn't ready to play. And you can say, well, why would you have expected him to be ready to play? No, I would not have expected him to be ready to play year one. Um, I don't think anyone did expect him to play year one. I, I guess my only question of that is why are you selecting a guy in the fourth round if you don't expect him not not to you don't expect him to play you don't expect him to be able to play year one like at all like you have a guy that you just picked up in Blake Hans who is a guard kicking out to tackle over him as your fourth tackle it's it's just quite disappointing really um and I I just don't really that's that's one of the disappointments in this draft class. Uh, but go, going back to this game here, we really need these receivers to A, be able to separate, and B, Baker to actually make those throws. And uh, I believe it was Nate Tice uh, said that Baker just isn't playing with that confidence that he has had in the past, and that's been a trademark of Baker. But y- you see him speak about having the confidence and if you look at if you listen to him you would think he has that confidence but his actions don't match up to the words because he doesn't play with confidence because he doesn't make the throws on time in rhythm that he is supposed to be making and you know what if he was missing the throws if he was missing the throws because of a shoulder issue, that would be fine. The problem is, he says he's healthy. The staff says he's healthy. And, and they say he has the issues, but they say he is healthy enough to play. So, if he is healthy enough to play, then he's healthy enough to play. And that means to me that I don't can take into consideration the fact that he's hurt. Okay? If he is healthy enough to play, then the injury is not of concern when evaluating the performance. Because if the injury majorly affects performance, then he is not healthy enough to play. It's quite simple. So either he's not healthy enough to play, or he's not playing with confidence. Or both. Could very well be both. And it could be that the health, lack of health, is causing the lack of confidence. But to me, that just means that you're not healthy enough to play. So I need to see more out of Baker is what I need to see here. It's quite simple. Yes, your receivers need to do a better job of separating. Yes, you could do with having a more play-action-heavy script. But that's pretty tough when you get nine, eight and nine-man boxes. That's pretty tough to have a play-action-heavy script. Okay? And when you have eight and nine-man boxes, you know what you can't really do a whole lot of that you are very effective at? Screens. 
because uh, you got nine guys right there. Like, yes, technically you could run a screen, but like, I'm not exactly sure to what effect that would be. And obviously, they're not always in those mugged up looks with so many people in the box. But they're in it enough to where it is an issue. Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't blame this lack of rushing production on the running game. I blame it on the lack of a passing game. And that blame has to be split between a little bit on play caller, a little bit on quarterback, and a little bit on receivers. Right? It, it's got to be split because these guys are all struggling. So when we look at the key to the game, it has to be getting this passing attack going, especially when we are facing those cover zero and cover one looks. Um, when, when we talk about the sleeper for this game for the Browns, I think your sleeper has to be David Njoku, right? There's nothing Baker loves more than throwing the ball to a tight end down the seam. And man, is Njoku pretty damn good at doing that. So I think Njoku is a sleeper. I think he's going to be a big reason if the Browns' passing game is successful, he will be a large reason why. Uh, my MVP for this one, um, I'm going to go with, for the Browns here, um, going to go with Jeremiah Wiscormo. I think you bring him into the Browns organization specifically for when you play Lamar Jackson to be able to have a guy that athletically can match up if you want to spy Lamar. And obviously you're going to have a lot of... Uh, a lot of times blitzing him as well and also having him be a lone linebacker in coverage because what teams have found is that the most effective defense against Lamar is a very blitz-heavy defense where you're playing a lot of man coverage. Um, so if the Browns do look to do that, a lot of times what you're going to get is either Jeremiah Wusukormo blitzing or having him be a very important matchup piece over a Mark Andrews type. Uh, so I think he will be uh, the key to the Browns' victory defensively. Obviously, there's a guy, there's the regular guys like Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett that are always productive. But I think specifically for this matchup, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo is the most valuable player, especially for this defense, and I believe for this game. Um, if you go from the Ravens' perspective, that would obviously be Lamar. Um, quite obvious one there. And for my score prediction, I man, I, I think the Browns lose this one. I'm going to be honest here. I think the Ravens come out. I think we see a little bit better scoring. I think we get 27-24 to the Ravens on the road, which wraps it up for us this week. And we will be back next week to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Baltimore game and also to preview the Vegas game, which is a fun Saturday afternoon slate. So we will be back next week. You can check out the other Fired Up podcast on the Fired Up Podcast Network. Until then, let's get fired up.